0: Before we begin our message this morning, once again, I would like to begin with us reading together our mission statement, because I believe that as we not only see it printed in the bulletin and see it in our newsletter and see it printed on things that go out from the church, it's important for us to know it and to live into it together. So friends, I invite you to read with me. We are a family of faith called to grow in the love of Christ Share that good news and serve the world. My question for you this morning is, do we have any coffee drinkers in here today? By a show of hands, just raise them high if you enjoy a good cup of coffee. Good. Do we have coffee snobs in here today who are very particular about the coffee that they drink? You don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to do that. I have to confess to you this morning that I start each and every day with at least one cup of coffee, generally two. And if I don't start my day with at least one cup of coffee, generally two, it's going to be a really rough day, if you know what I mean. And while I generally limit my coffee just to the mornings, I recognize that there are some folks, maybe here in this room, who enjoy drinking coffee all throughout the day, morning, afternoon, afternoon and even night. Now, honestly, I didn't start drinking coffee until I got into college. And when I got into college and started having to pull those all-nighters, I needed something that would keep me awake so that I could study for my exams. I'm sure that some of our college students might understand what I'm talking about this morning. But I do remember as a child asking my mother if I could have a cup of coffee. And she told me no. Because she told me that if I drank a cup of coffee, that it could stunt your growth. Oh, apparently your parents told you that too. Stunt your growth. Now, I'm not really sure if she believed that or if she was just trying to get me to leave her alone. But my mother apparently wasn't the only one who said such things. I heard many others who said exactly the same thing. So, after all these years, I decided to look it up. And so, I did what any of us would do. I went to Google and I entered in Does coffee really stunt your growth? And up pulled a Harvard Health Publishing page and it explained very clearly that it actually does not. Apparently, there was a misconception that coffee could cause osteoporosis, which is a condition that could be associated with the loss of height. But studies have now shown that coffee doesn't contribute to osteoporosis. So, maybe if the internet had been around when I was a child, rather than the World Book Encyclopedia, I could have enjoyed a cup of coffee every now and then. As we continue our sermon series today on our mission as a church together, we come to this phrase in our mission statement that says, to grow in the love of Christ. As Christians, together we are called to grow in our love of Christ, being mindful that there are some things that can stunt our growth and to avoid anything that does so. And so our scripture today from John's Gospel has much to say about this. Our passage comes from a point in Jesus' ministry where he has just been with his disciples on the night of the Passover. And there in John's Gospel, Jesus does something very different. Rather than just simply having the meal with them, he takes a basin of water and he begins to bow down before them and wash their feet. Explaining to them that he must do such things, that they must do what he has done to them and after that Jesus begins to speak to them very intentionally about what he wants them to know because he's been explaining to them all along that he is going to be leaving them soon but they don't seem to understand what's really happening Jesus has told them that he's going to die but they're just not believing it And so Jesus tells them intentionally that when he leaves them, he is going to come back to them, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them, to live within them, reminding them that they would never, ever be alone. And then he begins to talk metaphorically, saying to them, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see, Jesus has much to say about growth, namely that some branches experience fruit as a sign of growth, while others remain unchanged. Both branches are tended by the same gardener, and he prunes back the fruit-bearing branches so that they can be even more fruitful, but he also cuts off the branches that show no sign of growth. And Jesus says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. His metaphor now becomes personalized as he commands the disciples to remain in him as he remains in them Jesus is talking about this inseparable relationship between him and his disciples. And even though he'll be crucified, he will die and he will be buried, he will rise from the grave. Not even death will be able to separate him from those whom he's called. In fact, his spirit will live in them and will help them to always remain in him. But Jesus isn't just going to be with them, he's going to help them carry out the ministry that he established with them during their time together. They essentially are to bear the fruit of the kingdom as they grow in his love through faith. So Jesus spells it out to them saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." You see, Jesus uses imagery that his disciples can understand very well. They live in an agrarian society. And the Old Testament prophets often spoke of Israel as a vine planted and cared for by God. But God sent the prophets to speak against Israel for not cultivating the fruit of mercy and of compassion and of justice. Now Jesus comes as the true vine that is obedient to God, and lives a life that brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. And now, he commands his disciples to remain in him as he also remains in them, to stay connected, so to speak, so that they may cultivate the same fruit that he has borne. You know, I find that connectivity is something that we all understand very well. While we may not be master gardeners, we live in an age of connectivity. We are so reliant upon the internet for everything that we do. Wi-Fi access can be found in most restaurants, hotels, businesses, in our homes, and guess what? Even in the church. Now, put your cell phones down now that you know that. Don't be trying to access it during the sermon. Many of us shop online. Amazon Prime has become a way of life for many of us. A lot of us order our groceries online and and pull right up, and they bring them out to us. Some of us watch television now online, and we've cut the cord of cable or our satellite dishes. Many of our children like to play video games with their friends online online. We do our banking online together, and we communicate with one another through email, text, and even our social media accounts. We are a connected people. And so when our Wi-Fi access signal is lost, when we lose our connection, it shuts everything down. Many of us grew up not having that type of connectivity and now we wonder how did we ever live without it? So what do we do when we lose that connection? Well, we get on our phones immediately and we call Charter so they can come and fix it as soon as possible because we can't imagine life without it. And truth be told, neither can Jesus. You see, Jesus is very clear that he is the power source and that we must stay connected to him. I find it very interesting that Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. The Greek word here for remain is meno, which means to abide or to remain, to stick with or to lean into, or as Presbyterian pastor Eugene Peterson translates it, to make your home in. This is not a conditional statement. In other words, Jesus is not saying to us that he will remain with us only if we remain with him. He's telling us that he never moves. That we are to make our home in him as he makes our home his home in us. It's true that if you read the Gospel of Luke, Jesus shares a few parables about this very thing. He talks about a parable of a lost sheep and of a lost coin and even a lost son. And all three of these parables explain that someone or something was lost because someone or something had moved. Jesus' message is that God always pursues us with love. Those who have moved away from him. You see, growth cannot happen if we are disconnected from the vine, from the very life source. Jesus tells us in John's gospel earlier that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So My question for you this morning is, have you moved away from Jesus? And if so, Jesus invites you to reconnect, to make your home in him. But I also find that some of us are much like Martha, who invites Jesus into her home for a meal. Jesus comes over to enjoy this meal with her and her sister Mary with his disciples, but Martha is crazy busy trying to get ready for Jesus and she is rushing around and trying to make sure that the house is clean and to make sure that dinner is happening and cooking on time. And around the corner she looks, and her sister's doing nothing. She is simply sitting at Jesus' feet, and it drives her crazy. And so essentially she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you please tell my sister to help me? Jesus responds in a different way to her, one that she wasn't expecting. He tells her that Mary has chosen what is better. You see, even though Martha's invited Jesus into her home, she's so caught up with her task that she is really not at home with him. And while she's doing things for him, she is still disconnected from him. And I find in the church, like Martha, we too can easily focus our efforts on being fruitful for God. We can sign up for all kinds of things in the church to be helpful. It could be a mission project of some sort that we do together, or maybe even serving on a church committee, and we do this with good intentions. We get super busy for God because we want to be fruitful. But Jesus' focus is very clear. Remain in me as I remain in you. Notice that his command wasn't to bear fruit it was to remain in him. Eleven times in ten verses, Jesus declares that we are to remain in him. We cannot be fruitful unless we are connected to the true vine who gives us the strength and the sustenance to be fruitful. It's being connected. It's remaining in making our home with Jesus that allows us together to be fruitful. In fact, Jesus tells us that if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You see, being fruitful will come naturally as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, just as being fruitless will come naturally if our lives are disconnected from him. I think it's really important to note that Bearing fruit doesn't make disciples. Rather, fruit bearing is evidence of disciples who've remained in Jesus. Even Paul acknowledges this about his and Apollos' ministry because the church became so fixated on their leadership and on who was the better leader. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, So neither the one who plants, Paul, nor the one who waters, Apollos, is anything. But only God who makes things grow. God brings the growth. Yet I find that our call to grow in the love of Christ is not just an individual one, it's also a collective one. You see, there's this pervasive thought that exists with many Christians that they do not need the church to follow Jesus. They see their faith as personal and private. And they think that they can follow Jesus without being in a group of hypocrites. But Jesus tells us in this passage that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And he speaks of discipleship in the plural. Branches. He doesn't talk about a branch. He doesn't speak in the singular. And I find that the Apostle Paul does the very same thing. In fact, Paul speaks of the church as a body, and Christ as the head of that body. And Paul never speaks of a dismembered body, of body parts that can live and function without the other parts. Instead, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And he says, Christ has given different roles within the body, such as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip the body of Christ for works of service, to bear fruit together. And today we acknowledge this as we install deacons and elders to help build up the church to equip us in their service and in their leadership. And Paul says that Christ has given such roles to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, all of us, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. Part of our remaining in Jesus is gathering together as God's church Centering ourselves in worship, and study, fellowship, and service together, we are called together as branches of the true vine, united by the Spirit of Christ, and led by those whom God has called to serve in leadership roles in the church. And I find that being together is important for several reasons. First, we learn from one another as we study the Scriptures together We grow in our faith as the Holy Spirit opens up the Scriptures to us and as we talk about them with one another. And secondly, our maturation helps us to stand firm together when our faith is tested or when false gospels seek to infiltrate the church. Growing in our faith and in the love of Christ keeps us grounded. Therefore, we're no longer infants who are spoon-fed whatever is given to them. Instead, we are maturing as we feast on the Word of God, moving from baby food to solid food. And finally, as we gather to worship, study, and fellowship, and serve together, we bear witness to Jesus' love and grace in the world as a group, the church together. Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, and from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, I'm not sure where you are today as it pertains to your personal connectedness with Jesus, but I know that you do. And while it's not true that coffee will stun our growth, it is true that being disconnected from Jesus will. And this includes a disconnection disconnection in our personal faith and in our collective faith together as the body of Christ. So, whether you have intentionally disconnected yourself from Jesus, going your own way, trusting in your own strength, or whether you've invited Jesus into your own home but have neglected the most important part of your relationship with him, or whether you have abandoned the church for a privatized faith, Jesus invites you and welcomes you to reconnect. He wants nothing more than for us to have life and to have it abundantly. For he knows that he is the source of that life, real life, abundant life, as the true vine. And any other vine that we try to connect to will simply stunt our growth. Today, God invites you to make your home in Christ, as he promises to make his home in you. For he reminds us, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. Jesus invites us to the joy of being connected to him, giving us true purpose and meaning as we serve him as his church. So friends, today, let us recommit our hearts and our lives to follow Him, to make our home with Him as branches of the true vine who anticipate God's faithfulness in producing fruit in and even through us. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.